Night Talk on 702. For the curious on 92.7 and 106 FM. As promised, uh, we are in conversations with Ndatempocheng Jack Rapela, uh, author of My Advice to You, practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, life coach and motivational speaker. And we're talking on life's lotus garden, all is well. Ndade, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the discussion. Thank you for having me, Wasanga. Are you well? All good, all good, all 100%. Right. So we'll get into uh, the topic of your book as well and the advice you'd like to give our listeners. But let's just start, start with this interesting title here, Practitioner of Neuro-Linguistic Programming. What is that? Neuro-Linguistic Programming, in a nutshell, it speaks about the language of the mind, knowing how to communicate effectively, knowing how to uh, manage your life effectively, and knowing how to handle life problems properly and successfully. Is, is that an attribute that is innate with uh, human beings? Or is it something, because when you're in a leadership position, I'd, under, I'd think that you'd like to be able to communicate, you'd like to be able to um, traverse in this intricate uh, mind map as you of, of communication. Are those abilities innate or are, must they be nurtured? Must they be some type of executive training, for example? They are indeed uh, innate. It is just that uh, most folks are fast asleep you know so they they would in that particular case they would need uh, someone who is well trained or enlightened to mm. awake their abilities so, so it is indeed innate so i watched um, um one of the motivational speakers that i've uh, i've watched my entire life i've grown up i've seen his videos from vhs to tv remember when we had motivational speakers selling those with those numbers and the american ones tony robbins so tony robbins for me i i, I profoundly i've found shockingly that he's actually he he supports um, to an extent, he's an apologist when it comes to, 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 to domestic abuse. And he, there's a clip of him admonishing a lady who was abused. And he said, what did you do Why in this situation? How did you allow yourself? From one stance, I understand in being able to empower someone. Um, but in that case, he completely lost it. So there's a huge um, suspicion when it comes to motivational speakers. And, and you mentioned something so astounding with regards to how you responded to that. I wasn't awaiting that. So if there are people who are suspicious of motivational speakers and say, hey, if you are so motivational, why don't you motivate yourself instead of selling it to people who buy it? The model of motivational speaking is is really, um, in South Africa especially, is it, and the world in general, there's a suspicion behind it. How would you say is the position and purpose of motivational speaking? First of all, uh, when you motivate people, they should... Uh, feel whole both in your presence and in your absence so the fundamental reason why there is universal or or widespread suspicion is simply because uh, some motivational speakers you know they would use these beautiful phrases just to uh, captivate your attention and then once they are gone you feel empty Mm. and uh, my advice would be to uh, my peers, motivational spe- speakers, to ensure that they provide their audience with practical ways mm. of solving life problems. In other words, don't just use beautiful ways or beautiful phrases and uh, leave your audience, you know, bamboozled and hundred yeah, percent confused because, because jargonisms are what uh, is isolating a lot of experts mm-hmm. to the audience. Yeah, because most of m- most folks are. 
kind of vulnerable, mm. even fragile when mm. it comes to life problems. Mm. So you use all these kind of uh, beautiful phrases, uh, inspirational jargon. Yes. But then once you're gone, they feel empty and then they feel helpless. And I think profoundly that's what happens with the faith-based organizations. Um, <laughs> we are seeing people drinking petrol. We are seeing people eating snakes. Mm. The first time I saw this was seeing a, a beautiful young woman who's educated. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was just ignorance. But you are finding scientists, doctors, engineers, um, educators, lawyers, mm -hmm. people who are generally very upstanding whole, um, members of society. But there's a psycho psychology behind this, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. These people are searching for something. And it, it, the, the, the motivational speakers, we know that priests and pastors, etc., they, 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 are, they are connoisseurs of yes. these kind of mental and psychological conversations. Mm -hmm. How can we be aware of these tricks and charlatans and, 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 and understand, of course, that there's a there is a need for proper motivational speaking and to inspire individuals. We know the power of inspiration. We know the power of good stories. Okay. Uh, uh, should be regulated, I think, perhaps by any relevant department, you know, as far as uh, the, the government, the state is concerned. Mm. That, that's the first uh, thing that needs to be done, mm. regulation. Mm. And, uh, you know, ensuring that... Uh, uh, a certain or a particular motivational speaker does have legitimate background mm. or necessary credentials, just like your your prophets. All these things need to be uh, uh, regulated. Mm. You know, for example, with the uh, immigration as well. Yes. If it is not regulated, all m multitudes of uh, people mm. from wherever will mm. flog into the country, mm. you know. So the control measure needs to be there um, instead of like looking at um, the, what do they call it, the cause and um, the effects. Yes, yes. So we are fundamentally looking at the effects, but we're not stemming the cause of the situation. And a lot of people mm. have lost hope. They've yes. lost faith. And they need to cling to the proximity of power. That's what happen in, happens in society. Mm -hmm. um, people ask why corrupt leaders have so much power and fundamentally people who are in desperate situations lean towards the proximity of, of, of power to, to an extent where they'll even ignore certain bad traits and attributes. How can we make um, some progressive movement with that to understand and, and, and give hope to people and say you deserve better? Yeah, um, I will still answer you in okay. you know, the same way to say I think regulation is fundamental. Right. Control measures are very, very crucial. And let's get into your, your book. I asked you a question uh, about uh, being a motivational speaker and, and, and a writer. Did you become a motivational speaker before you became an author? Or is it a, a chicken and egg situation? Did you become an author after you decided that you were motivational? What, what, what told you that you are inspiring? No, I, I became both right at uh, uh, birth. So now, as I grew up, all these abilities revealed themselves because of uh, the power of realization mm. within me. But if you don't realize, you won't see that I've got these abilities. Mm. That's why I earlier mentioned that some folks are fast asleep. They aren't awake. Not that they, they don't have uh, certain skills, certain talents, or certain abilities. It is mm. just that they are fast asleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I became both right at birth. 
And but, uh, yeah, yeah, please carry on. Yeah, but then I realized later in life that actually I should hone my talent. This is what I am and this is who I am. This mm. is what I'm capable of. Mm. So I should hone them and then I should reach out to uh, people out there so that they start uh, uh, mm. noticing me, mm. if I may use that term. Let's talk about, um, I, I remember talking to, to, to Lindsay and you know when a child develops, they have reference points, their socialization. There are even adults to this day who are still dealing with trauma from their childhood yeah. to an extent where I was, I was watching a documentary where prisoners, um, there's a rehabilitation program in America where prisoners who are saving, serving long-term life sentences even. Mm. And you find these individuals, teachers, you find people from society who feel that they need an intervention in their lives from different aspects of society. Mm-hmm. And when they came to talk to these men, because profoundly I found that all of them had absent fathers. And one of them was a bartender. And there's a profound amount of pain and childhood trauma with each and every single one of those men, uh, from the convicts themselves and to even the people who came to the program. You found that all of them were dealing with pain from their childhood, tra- mm. childhood trauma. Yeah, yeah. And I mentioned that a lot of adults are dealing with stress. And one of the things that really caught me about one of the bartenders, he was honest, he says, listen, my dad was in prison. And he wanted to keep me away. I never had a father. And all I wanted was for him to acknowledge me and my presence and everything that I do. He could not let it go. And he even went as far as saying my biggest fear is ending up in prison and not being there for my children. But on the other side, the children are affected by that situation, going to prison, being patted down, being strip searched. That also has a psychological effect. So fundamentally, all of those men were struggling with childhood trauma. And... That affects a lot of things from your economic uh, circumstance because it affects your job, it affects your relationships, it affects how you interact in society. What would you say? Because there's a, even men who are coming out now who have been sexually abused, but now it's, it's, it's taboo to be able to, to, to talk about those repressed psychological traumas. I even want to go as far as talking about post-traumatic stress disorder from our people who served in, 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 in the military during apartheid because there were women within the MK veterans who were abused and they've kept quiet because the organization protects a lot of the, the, the men who hold powerful positions. So with that aspect, how do we go to the source of the pain that is childhood trauma? Because one of the fathers mentioned that they asked him a question. Do you feel that in trying to be there for your children and being the antithesis of an absent father, do you feel that your pain is also communicated to your children? And he broke down and said, yes. How do you deal with that childhood trauma? Um, our mainstream education system. Uh, constitutes what you call uh, life skills, right? So that's the level where we are supposed to to start because uh, the folks that you're talking about who are fathers today or who are adults today, they were at some point in the past children, school children or kids. I think if we start at that fundamental level, level, right? And then as they grow up, they know already things that are, Let's, let's call it antisocial or socially unacceptable. Abuse, trauma, and all that. We mm. can avoid uh, the pain, the kind of pain that you're talking about. We can avoid all sorts of those uh, difficulties or hardships that later on, uh, you know, mm. children go through mm. or even the, the parents or the fathers themselves. 
And um, in terms of uh, mental health and the black community, do you feel that uh, there are gaps? Do you feel that uh, mental health awareness in the black community is healthy? Or because profoundly, I know that um, there's a lot of suspicions that are related. For example, someone who has uh, mental health issues, there's stigmas attached to it. There's also a lot of insensitivity. Yeah. <clears throat> what, 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 what would you say to black mental health awareness? Is, is, is there a gap? What, what, what should we know about it? There is indeed a wide gap. So with regards to that, I would say we need a social movements where we can you know, spread the message and make people aware, mm. where they will be, uh, be, be able to open up, talk freely, share their problems, uh, discuss their problems, and then try to find uh, solutions to those problems. So it's, mm. a, it's a very, very worrying uh, trend, if I may use that mm, mm, uh, term, mm. in terms of mental you know, wellness, where people are emotionally powerless or emotionally mm. weak, and at the end of the day, they end up committing suicide or taking their own lives. So with regards to that, I would say uh, social movements are the biggest necessity. They are fundamentally necessary. What does an emotionally powerless person look like? What are the traits? Because, you know, some people suffer in silence and mm. we don't see it because the one thing we do, we're all guilty of it. We say to someone, um, are you good? And instead of actually asking, do we care about how you are? How do you feel? And someone said that we should ask those kind of questions because now it's just a conversational trope. Hi, are you good? Yeah, I'm very good. And that person, <laughs> they're not. Mm-hmm. So fundamentally, how do we, what, what does an emotion, you said emotionally weak. weak person look like? How does an emotionally weak person look like? No, no, no. Uh, you, you, hear, you hear them from uh, their words and through their actions. But uh, it takes, you know, a very well-trained eye to realize or to see that, to observe that. So now, um, the only time that you will realize that uh, this now the situation is worse or mm. uh, this person is you know, at a level where they can even take their lives, mm. that's when it's like too late. But then you, you sense through their ways mm. and then you also realize or observe through their actions, the way they conduct themselves, that mm. there is something wrong with this person. Actually, he is a big hypocrite. Mm. You say to him, hi, are you well? He says, yes, I'm good. Mm. But deep down, he is in pain. He is mm. miserable. Why do they hide that? Because profoundly, um, I, I because talked about... Yes, all yes. of us want to stay uh, you know, relevant. Mm. So, like you mentioned, the word stigma. Mm. Uh, if... Wasanga realizes that uh, Jack is somewhat unhappy. Mm. I don't want that kind of uh, stigma attached to you. Yes, yes, yes. So people always pretend as if they are happy, even though they are unhappy. And that itself, it's a a, Mm. a mental weakness and it's a a disease that we must deal with. Hence, I'm saying uh, social movements are necessary to make people aware and to make them feel free to share their own personal problems. So we're talking about such um, foreign terms and intricacies and stuff like that, but we have had aspects of black communities. And Ubuntu is something that um, has been there. I don't know if it's evolved or disappeared, but Ubuntu in itself, when you talk about the social movements, you talk about communities. And fundamentally, I think that we don't have black communities anymore. 
um that <laughs> is that, so? that is because yeah. um the the idea of uh, um it takes a village to raise a child mm. we have um, um our economy we have mobile families now back in the day you know that this is uh, the family of this person they live there they they that's where they stay they work in this kind of place but now we have a situation of distrust we have um you cannot leave your children with certain people we've seen the videos of people abusing young children themselves and the unfortunate circumstance i think the most horrifying thing was how a mother was actually hiding the abuse of her child consistently of her children and to an extent where one of the siblings had to 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 i think she 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 ended up killing the father uh, or reporting them so in that i believe fundamentally those are all things that have affected the idea of a black community it takes a village to raise a child how do we foster it's called social capital so mm. how do we foster social capital because um it's tough and when it's a tough time i talk about um the capacity for compassion mm. not everyone has the capacity or the courage to be empathetic yeah how do we build that and understand exactly what ubuntu is because now it's been commercialized i've seen even definitions of it coming from the west yeah yeah how do we get back our social capital No, no, no. Community leaders uh, should take the responsibility to do this together with the the mm. parents, and uh, it should come from the spirit of willingness. It should come from the spirit of kindness. It should come from the spirit of compassion, because mm. that's basically what Ubuntu means. So it is the responsibility of the community to do that, and perhaps mm. the government can intervene where relevant and mm. necessary. Actually, the government is bound to intervene as well. Mm. And um, the title of your book itself, um, uh, it, it, it's Lotus Garden. All is well. What does the book handle? What is it about? No, is that the title? Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. What the title? What is the title uh, of your book? No, no. Life's Lotus Garden is a, is a topic title for for tonight. Um, do, oh, and oh, the book is my advice to you. My apologies. Hundred percent. So yeah. let's just get that distinction. My advice to you. What did people don't do? You think people like taking advice? Yeah, some do. Uh, only folks that are fast asleep won't even listen or pay attention, mm. and that's why they have. Uh, Problems. you know similar problems that are kind of uh, mm. recycling mm. they apply the same solutions the same problems remain hmm. they don't go away because they don't pay attention mm. so now uh, my advice to you is about gen- generally speaking is about uh, life problems mm. in particular uh, love mm. uh, sorry relationship problems mm. and w- even when it comes to personal development or personal growth So that's that's what the book is basically about. Mm. So I give people advice based based on those particular aspects of life. L- let's start with relationships. What what is your advice on on relationships? Okay, um don't say you truly love someone knowing deep down that you don't love them. Okay? Because that's what uh, creates uh, problems. Mm. And a uh, problem creates a problem for a problem. So it becomes a vicious circle that at the end of, at the end of the day is going to uh, emotionally haunt you not only you. Mm. You see the the problem is people don't realize that you don't necessarily live for yourself. We are living for each other. Mm. Wasanga can't be entirely on his own. Braje can't be entirely on his own. Mm. We are living for each other. Mm. So 
my fundamental advice would be don't say you you truly love someone whereas you deeply know that you don't necessarily love them mm. or you love them for something mm. should, should should the foundations of a relation be focused around the love itself because um yeah because le- love is a beautiful thing i understand that and then we speak about love in mm. terms of you yourself being loving because what breeds love or what brings about love is the person himself or herself being loving if you are not loving your love is going to fail mm. because you are not naturally loving you need mm. to be naturally loving for your love to 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 be everlasting mm. for your relationship to be everlasting for your marriage to be everlasting let's talk about those attributes in 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 being loving because love is a broad topic yeah. and um the romantic love yeah <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's get into these definitions what what is romantic love and uh, how does it how is it different from the other aspects of love no 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 when you are attracted to someone in terms of uh, sexuality yes that's romantic love and okay the the fundamental love that we all know is the universal one where you need to uh, love another human being as you love yourself i like that i like the discernment with romantic love because i'm a hopeless romantic and uh, i'm a hopeless romantic but um i know that now but i, I can I'm see you are married <laughs> <laughs> not yet not yet but Engaged, um, okay i've had to measure my romanticism with the reality of life Mm. And one of those things is understanding that um uh grandiose gestures themselves it's, it's much better to have consistency the best re- advice I've ever had about relationships was mm. from one of my friends he said his father said never do something that you're not going to be able to sustain yeah and when we are courting people we obviously want to show the best aspect of ourselves how do we measure that with uh, the brutal honesty of who we really are Can you perhaps rephrase your your question? So let me say the real the real self and the ideal self. Okay. So we want to bring the best version of ourselves. Oh. So how do you measure that with reality and um selling the best version of yourself? No, always you know uh, uh, pretending to be somebody else that you are not. It's always the marketing strategy right at the beginning of uh, the relationship. Mm. And now the problem is it overshadows everything then later on the relationship is complicated in such a way that even if you consult the likes of Jack as a life coach <laughs> your problems still remain there because mm. you were not genuine at, in the first place or right at the beginning how do we introspect honestly because a lot of people take um the self victimization route which never helps you grow because always it's never you it's always you're never part of the problem it wasn't you even though people were in a relationship and they loved each other after they come out of it they say nah man there's it wasn't me every single time how do we reflect honestly no um introspection in the context of uh you know ideal and real mm. as you mentioned uh would depend on whether you understand the difference between looks and being truly attracted to someone hmm. because if you are attracted to Asanga's big shoulders hmm. or the way hmm. he looks or you are attracted to hmm. certain women who looks whatever because beauty lies in the eyes of the beholder of course if you don't differentiate between the two in such a way that you do not become trapped by looks themselves mm, mm, then mm. such a relationship is bound to fail mm. 
And let's talk about pretty privilege. And I've got beautiful sisters. I've got a beautiful family. I know that I'm, uh, <laughs> I, as my, I'm not, I'm not I, would, I wouldn't like to think I'm superficial because I like people with substance. Yeah. But um, fundamentally, I know that I'm attracted to beautiful people. How do you measure that? And what is your idea of pretty privilege? All right. Beauty lies in the eyes of the beholder. So I can't say much about that because mm. I don't know what beauty me means to you. I only Fair know enough. what beauty means to me. So I, I can't generalize. No, it's subjective, but it's, yeah. it's aesthetic at the same time. Yeah. So the face value of someone and also just being kind, but because there's attributes that you need with regards to, to someone beyond the aesthetic appeal, whatever mm. that perception of beauty is. Mm. So how do we then measure the aesthetic outside and understand that it must be measured with the goodness inside, the beauty inside as well? True intentions that come from you and the next person. Mm. What, can you through do? through communication oh. that's how you measure it how do you because they, they maybe love language is one of those things in which you communicate yeah um, people say that uh, people have different ways of displaying love for example I love cooking if I cook for you you must understand that that's one of my love languages but someone else will say that no chief uh, I'll never cook it's not me that's not my thing um, how do you understand someone's love language? Because someone may think, no, no, you cooking for me is just a function uh, of the relationship itself. How do we understand each other's love language? Maybe you might say, because you don't post me on social media, you don't love me. But you, someone may say, no, the reason why I don't post you is because I want the intimacy to be maintained in our relationship. Those are two different aspects of how someone may display or express love. How do we understand each other's love language? It's subjective. And... I can't speak much on that because it is subjective. It's an individual thing. Mm -mm. Yeah. And then where do we find your this amazing book of yours and what kind of people should grab this? Uh, the, my advice to you. Age group from 20 to mm. 65 or 75. Mm. And what kind of life stage should they be going through if they open this book? What will they get from it? In terms of personal development, personal growth, relationship problems, mm. relationship advice, everything is in there. And um, wh where do you speak and what kind of people do you do you uh, speak to? Do you go to schools as well? And um, fundamentally within those organizations, what is your approach and your process? Yeah, I do go to schools. So now uh, I also, you know, advise and uh, do presentations to business organizations in mm. terms of, uh, you know, um, making profit, maintaining good relationships between employers and employees. Mm. And um, one of the issues with uh, employment at the moment is that we don't, we, we of course, I won't, um, and we do have a lot of people who are unemployed, 27% unemployment rate, but fundamentally there's a belief, growing belief that we don't have an unemployment issue. We have a productivity uh, problem where people in employment are not engaged. And we talk about an engaged and a disengaged employee. Can you give us an idea of that and what you think about um, an engaged and a disengaged employee? And how can leaders um, see their employees not as an expense, but um, see them as an investment? Because I think the problem lies in the relationship between the worker and the, 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 the employee a lot of the times. Yeah, and... What's, what's what, what then your question is? The question, the relationship between the employer and the employee and how can employers see and invest in their employees as assets and not see them just as a cost? By becoming friends with them. Oh, 
But shouldn't you respect your boss? Friends in... No, there should be boundaries, of course. Friends in terms of friendliness. Being friendly. Okay. And, uh, you know, encouraging sense of belonging. Because if, as an employee, you don't feel that sense of belonging, you don't feel like you belong to prime media, are you going to perform to the best of your ability? Mm. Mm. I'm asking. If, if, you, if you feel you're not friends with... Obviously, I'm not going to have a... <laughs> if you, if you yeah. don't feel like you belong, if you don't feel that sense of belonging, are you going to perform to the I, best of I your ability? So. I don't think so. 100%. So that's what uh, employers should uh, encourage, actually. Mm. So yeah. um, I've got a message here from uh, one of our listeners. How do you cope with life when you don't love a um, husband as much as he loves you? Ooh, difficult one. Why would you even marry them if you don't love them? Yeah, that's a tough one. And uh, let me, and I'll, I guess that goes out to our listener. Maybe they um, need to respond to that. And Dada Jack is responding and asking, why would you marry someone you don't love? Um, and if, if I may, mm. the, 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 the idea of marriage itself, uh, it started off in, in 100 years ago. We never used to marry for love. This is a new phenomenon. This thing of marrying for love is a, a modern thing. Because um, if you understand the, 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 the marriage construct... So are you saying mm, in old times we married for convenience? Married for social status. You, you used to marry for wealth. You used to marry for something that would benefit your family and grow the, 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 the basic uh, status, whether mm. it be social, whether it be wealth or all those aspects. But now, it's only now, recently, that people are marrying for love. And now you mentioned there's different types of love. So fundamentally, the, the marriage construct itself, it never used to be marrying for love. We are only discovering now that people are actually marrying for love. And the burden then lies on love because it's general. As you mentioned, there's different types of love. Mm. So would you say, and a lot of women profoundly in powerful positions are saying that marriage doesn't benefit them because the construct of marriage, even within the Bible, is for the wife to serve and to be subservient. How, how, the question is, how would they like a marriage to benefit them? You're saying they feel like marriage is not benefiting them. Mm. Mm. The construct of self, the, the purpose of marriage has only become because of love recently now. Oh, okay. It never used to be about that. So how do we deal with traditional marriage, which used to be for social status, um, um, even expanding your wealth and those kind of things, and the whole idea of love being the precipice of the reason why people marry now? Yeah, you see, uh, those are fundamentally subjective questions where, let's say, I've got a couple... And I've got a coaching session with uh, this couple. I, I would probe. I would ask them different questions. Try to understand the history or the root of their relationship. So I think in that particular regard, mm. I would be able to answer the question. Okay. So, 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 and so to answer you, I would say it's a subjective thing. And Fair it's enough. somewhat complicated unless you understand where they're coming from unless you understand their history you can't be able to resolve their differences or even to give them the answers that they're looking for mm-hmm. no no it's been an insightful discussion Daddy Jack, and thank you so much once again for your time and all these insights and just a parting shot to our ministers there's a lot of pressure on them and our president mentioned that our country has never 
um, had so much high expectations. If you were to share some words with uh, the current uh, cabinet and ministers who are taking on their positions, because we heard from Jeff Hatebe, mm. um, he, he mentioned that he, he it's stressful. He thought he talked about his family as well. If you were to motivate and speak to our ministers, what would you say to them? Well, um, the proof is in the pudding always, but it comes with, uh, you know, uh, self-motivation. So I would say to the ministers, they need to to motivate themselves enough in such a way that they perform to the best of their ability. Mm. And uh, one other thing, they need to understand that everything that they do, they do it for South Africans, not for themselves. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Thank you so much, Jack. Now I'm just mulling over those words indeed. Yeah, for our listeners who just uh, missed uh, the show, uh, the podcast will be available. And uh, that did Jack's book is also available. Where can we get it? All right. My email address is mbuhengr1 at gmail.com. And then on Facebook, I go by Mbuheng Jack Rapela. Mm-hmm. And then my contact number is 081 can you please just repeat it one more time? We've got so many SMSs that we aren't able to get through. This has sparked a lot of uh, conversation indeed. Can you just share your number once again? 081-347-0262. And where, what's the next thing? Who would you like to work with? If there's anyone listening out there, uh, where can we get your, your, your next uh, event? Uh, what is next for Brajek? Okay, I'll be hosting a, a seminar at Galaga Convention Center very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be at the end of June or middle of July. And they can get that from your Facebook page? Yes. And your name there you said is? Mpuheng Jack Rapela. That is M-P-O-G-E-N-G, Jack, and Rapela is R-A-P-H-E-L-A. Author of My Advice to You, practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, life coach, and motivational speaker. Thank you so much once again for your time and all the best. Thank you for having me. Cheerio.